Let's Keep It Going, the podcast of Emmaus Church, where we sit down with Pastor Nick to have extended discussion over last week's message, in the hope that it inspires ideas in and around the Emmaus Church community. If you missed last week's message, have a question, or just want to know more about Emmaus Church, you can visit us at www.emmauschurchsc.com. Now, let's keep it going. Hey, guys. Hi. Hello. Hello. I really tried to. Hi. <laughs> that's, our, that's our start. That's our start. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. <laughs> it's not, hi, friends. That's like, that is like the cliche podcast opening. I start a lot of emails. Hi, friends. Hi, friends. Do people know how to listen to this podcast? Do they know? Is there a way to? You listen to it on Spotify. Do people, do people, my dad was like, I said, you listen to the podcast? He's like, how do you listen to it? I don't know how you listen to it. Well, we're talking to I'm like, you gotta right see, you download Spotify on your phone. What's Spotify? And I'm like, it's an app. I have too many apps. My, my, my granddaughter, my, my niece. Thomas plays, does a plays really. With their, plays with her phone. Your impression of your dad is like unbelievably spot on. really good impression. Well, I sound like, I sound like, my, my dad, my dad is really slow, like slow, like talk. He's very, you know, relaxed, you know. Mm-hmm. He's almost like Texas, but he's from Kentucky. So it's like, he sounds like he's from Kentucky, but it's like, I know he's from Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like my grandfather was like the same thing, but it was really low like that. Hmm. So you kind of have a very, very white thing going on right now. With yeah, your I was voice. screaming really loud at the Kentucky game last night. So does your dad cheer for Kentucky? Yeah. We went to the Kentucky game together <laughs> and he was the only one. So like we got, you know, really nice tickets and we were up in the, we had dinner up, up in the McGuire room beforehand. And uh, it was like all Carolina fans up there and just my dad. And it was <laughs> like, it was really funny. It was awkward. But Big upset though. Yeah. Huge upset. Go Gamecocks. Mm-hmm. I was like rubbing my dad's shoulders. I was feeling really bad. But <laughs> I'm sure that helped. There was a guy in front of us that, like, right after the game, we were winning, and everyone stormed, everyone stormed the court, and like we were screaming at the top of our lungs. And a guy went up, um, went up to Brock, um, who plays drums for us, and went up to Brock, and he's a diehard Carolina fan. But the Kentucky fan went up to Brock and was like, "Not good enough for a championship." And then Brock immediately said, but he didn't know who he was talking to, and Brock immediately said. It was good enough for tonight. <laughs> go home, lo- go home, loser. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <Ba-dum-pa. laughs> I wonder if Brock ever does that. I'm pretty sure the guy thought Brock was going to be like, what? Excuse me, what did you say? And then he was be like, have a good night. And walk away. Like he did not. It was. Do like, you think Brock ever air drums? Ba-dum-pa. No? To himself? No. No. He's too cool for that. He's too cool for that. Get us warmed up, Lindsay. All Get right. us warmed up. All right. I'm going to give you a little something. Mm-hmm. No matter how much fill in the blank mm-hmm. I have, I just can't stop myself from buying more hmm. blank. Now you can definitely answer about yourself, or we could answer for each other. Hmm. Man, I have two for me. Okay. But I'm curious what yours would be. For, what your answer you for me would be? You don't know what my answer would be. For you? Yeah. Dogs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't buy dogs. I, you rescue dogs. I do all of it. I will do all of it. Oh. You do all Never of it? Never enough dogs. What's a do all of it? What type of I dog is that? Do all of it. Do all, do all of it. Australian breed. <laughs> it kind of sounds like one. 
You, gee, I don't like bumper stickers. I, I mean, I'm not against people that have bumper stickers. I just don't like them very much. But you have one of my favorite. Yeah. Uh, tell your dog I said hi. I think that is great for you. Yes. This is great. Yeah. Matt loves it. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas. Let's my, see. Mine is clothes. Really? Really? Because I buy them online and I don't try them on. And so I buy a ton of them and none of them fit right. And so I just throw, I throw them in huh. the closet. Huh. And so I, you have I a just stick to I, like full of unworn. Like I had a breakthrough clothes. the other I had a breakthrough the other day where like I found the perfect pair of Levi's mm-hmm. and I'm like I'm, I'm gonna buy these. So I have t-shirts that I know fit me that I'll buy online because I hate going shopping. So I have t-shirts that I bought online that I found. I'm like these are the ones that I will buy for the rest mm-hmm. of my life. And then now I have my Levi's. And now I have my shoe. I found my shoe brand that like fits my Hobbit feet perfectly. <laughs> and then now I'm waiting on. I'm curious um, what that is because my shoe brand. Yeah, they're called um, Lems L E M S. They're like hiking shoes, but I'm writing they're, this down. But they're um, they're like they were originally for hiking, but they're they, they have multiple different types of shoes now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're fit. They fit really well because they're mm-hmm. like, like light toed. This is a sign of adulting when you have your favorite. Things, mm, mm-hmm. Your brand. Oh yeah. Your fit. I would wear the same exact outfit every day. I would have, you know, clean versions of it. I'll just wear the same thing. I want a uniform. I'd now love I'm to have a uniform. For button up t shirts, like button up short sleeve mm-hmm. and button up long sleeve, which I think you have the button up long sleeves that I might be looking for. I like you short sleeves the best. You have vibe. you have the button up long like whatever long sleeve you show me. Howler Brothers, bruh. Yeah. I like their short sleeve stuff a lot. Anyway, so um, what were your answers? You'd send, you'd well, there's things that I do buy way too much, of, like, and they're weird. Books. I buy a lot of books. I'm a slow reader, so I always have this huge stack of books I need to read, but I keep buying more. You're interested in knowledge, apparently. Knowledge. Uh, pens. I buy lots of pens because I'm and notepads. But here's the weirdest thing that I throughout the year that I buy way too many of planners. You buy more than one. Well, like Usually. More than one at a time. Yeah, I got this one right now, and I can see myself probably sometime around May. It's a combination of not really li- – there's something about it I don't like. Okay. And then I also get a little anxious if it doesn't go into the, like six like, – when it's like less than six months left in the counter, I would like to be able to see the next six months. So I usually buy like three calendars a year, three planners a year. Hmm. The one I liked a lot last year, they stopped making, so that kind of stinks. All right. What is something other people love that you can't stand? Hmm. I've hmm. got one. You go first then. Musical theater. Like all of it. I don't care for it. Any of it. No. Newsies. No, I've never, well, never even seen it. Les Mis. Uh, I do like Les Mis. Okay. Exception. I do like Les Mis. Uh, Greatest it's, showman. It makes my knees hurt to sit there and, and watch it. It's just, it's long and drawn out to me and it makes my body hurt. Hmm. Um, my answer might be, I don't know if everybody likes this, but if you do, you usually have strong feelings about it. Like, um, abstract art, <laughs> like pretentious abstract pe- people who are like, you know, it's a blob of paint thrown on it. And they're like, if you, if you don't enjoy it, it's cause you don't get it. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just the amount of, of dislike I have for that. There was this dumb bridge in Indiana that this, this like one town, a small little town in Indiana said that they were this architectural Mecca, like they had all this. And so they built this weird, goofy bridge on the interstate. It was just red and strange and it just ticked me off. Like it was so pretentious. And I'm like, you're, you're not Paris, France. You're 
a little town in the middle of nowhere, Indiana. All right, knowledge. Knowledge. Listen to the sermon first yep. from yeah. Sunday, and then we kick it around some more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So call to grow in knowledge and be a lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. If you're curious about how to watch the sermon or listen to it, it's on the same feed of the podcast that you're listening to right now. I feel like this is not the people to be giving the instructions Yeah, I'm just just letting people know. (laughs) Maybe somebody just figured it out for the first time and they're like... Some people lack the knowledge, you know? Yeah, knowledge. knowledge. (laughs) I want to know what you heard Sunday that you appreciated or didn't appreciate. So I feel um, like a little bit of... um, like comfort and knowing like, like when you think of people that they just got it, like they have this grace, they have this peace, they have these virtues and you just think they're like born with it or it's mm-hmm. innate to them. Mm. The way you broke it down is with effort. Hmm. You, you can kind of learn your way into some of these hmm. virtues. Man, why don't I think about that? That's a really great point. That's a, that's a Lindsay original. Cause there is kind of an assumption there that you don't have it. Yeah. And, but you will get it. Right. Golly, that's good, Lindsay. Well, thank you. Can I go home now? You sure can. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm th- I mean, yeah, because there's that. It's like double-edged, I guess. You know, on the one hand, it's it cuts you a little bit and says, hey, like, you should be learning, right? But the other side of that is you sometimes you need to tell yourself, hey, you're still learning. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, we need to hear both of those things. Right. Like, um, that's a really great, great point. Thanks. Which one do you struggle with more? Which side of that? Which side of like? You should be learning more. I'm still learning. Which one do you think I you need to hear? Driven. I always feel like I should be learning. Like I've mm-hmm. never. I, well, mine is almost a little. Um, I don't think I ever fully get things. Mm-hmm. Like, therefore, I have to keep learning. Like, mm-hmm. it's never going to come as easy to me to like understand. Mm-hmm. So I just got to learn and and. Mm-hmm. It just seems kind of out of grasp to me. Hmm. Hmm. And you think that's a bad thing? Uh, uh, you see it as a deficit? Well, I mean, when is it ever enough books? Never, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I think there's a... Humi- there also, you could also see a humility in that. Okay. You know? Yeah. Because something I've noticed is I... Um, I'll, I'll, I'll frame this... I think this is true of any sort of insight, knowledge depth of understanding, but I'll I'll talk about particularly in light of like, um, I don't know, wounds, pains, hangups kind of, kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Uh, I have noticed that like there are certain lessons you learn again when you enter into different life stages. So like I got stuff with my dad, you know, that I still have to process through. And early on, I remember, uh, getting frustrated. How I was like, I thought, you know, I would kind of have this moment of insight or clarity on something and feel like I, all right, I, I'm at peace, peace with this. And then a few years later, it would creep up. But an observation I would make is that I had entered into a kind of a different life stage. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I became a dad. You know what I mean? And then stuff that I thought I'd kind of work through, it pop up again. And I was surprised by it and caught off guard by it and frustrated by it, you know, um, but then, you know, every time things would kind of shift a little bit, my kids get into a different age, certain things would come back a bit. And now it's kind of like I anticipate it, mm. you know, um, that some of these things in the past that have maybe felt like a deficit or whatever, you don't just learn them and fix it and go on. Kind of, You kind of have to live with an expectancy of 
I bet when I transition into a different s- stage, this is going to pop, pop up again. You know, I think that's true for people who are working through stuff. I mean, like um, any sort of betrayal in a relationship. You know, I think it's easy for people to think we got through it. You know, it's done. It's over. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not true. Mm-hmm. You know, that thing will pop up uh, when you're around familiar things or holidays. Does, does, that, does that make oh, sense? Yeah. And so I, I think there is a a sense we should live with that's like, I'm going to have to learn this lesson again. Well, I mean, that's a great deal, great amount of self-awareness. Mm. Of And you touched on that, that question of like, what is your thing and what are you learning about it? Mm. What are you learning about your ick, your stuck? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to acknowledge it first. Be aware of it first. Yeah. Yep. I mean, just people need to know really difficult, hard things. You don't just learn the lesson once mm-hmm. and then it goes away. You're going to have to learn it again, but it's usually a different. Um, it's like what Shrek said: "We're all onions, right? There's layers. Like there's layers to this to this understanding that you're going to have to continue to learn and understand and grow." Mm. Yeah. All right. Gnosis. Mm-hmm. That's a fun word. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowledge that comes from experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it reminded me of in grad school, and I guess this is the academic world in general. You know, you're taught by professors. Mm-hmm. They might have PhDs. They're kind of research based. Uh, in my profession, uh, I went to school for speech therapy. They could teach you the textbook. Mm-hmm. And that was 80% of your stuff was, mm-hmm. was being taught by these professors who worked in academia. But the 20% of classes that were the clinical instructors mm-hmm. that came in, the ones that had the, the real life experience, and mm-hmm. those are the ones that I felt you learned yeah. the more practical. Oh, yeah. So to me, that was that. Like yep. They had outside this textbook knowledge of some of these mm-hmm. concepts. Right. And were much better teachers. Well, then I'm, I can imagine that that, even clicks even more when you start to do it yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because that's what you tend to be remembering more. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember that guy explaining what happened. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Somebody said one time, like, how you teach things, pe- people things. And I think about this with my kids. I'm not probably going to mess it up, but it's like the first stage is you watch me do it. And then you, the second stage is you do it with me. And then I watch you do it. And then you do it on your own. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I think that's a neat progression, you know, but it does, uh, it clicks when all of a sudden you're not just reading about it, but you're practicing it, mm-hmm. you know, in a different, <clears throat> if we were in a different tradition or a different belief system, a different culture, I feel like we would take this subject and it would be the sermon would be on like the term if it was knowledge it would be the point the whole point of the sermon would be about how scripture needs to be at the center of your knowledge Mm. or something like that Mm. it would be very one note very like you want to grow in knowledge read the bible Mm -hmm. you know but how does the bible play a role in the process that you're mm-hmm. outlining. Yeah. Like in the right way, mm-hmm. not necessarily in the real shallow one, one note, mm-hmm. like it's truth. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's integration. It's integrating it into your life. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just one of other tools 
to help you discover yeah, I think you the truth of yourself. I don't, I don't think you can make the Bible um, exhaustively authoritative on every subject matter there is. You know, like some mm-hmm. people will make it, it is the authority on science. It's the authority on archaeology. I think the Bible tunes us into the truth of God, who God actually is, um, the truth of who we're meant to be. I, and I, I like to think the Bible is best understood as like a trajectory. It points us in a particular direction. That, that, that I think is so important for me to constantly like make sure I'm on that trajectory, you know, but then from there, uh, I'm free to enjoy and participate and consume any sort of knowledge or insight that I come across that is also in that trajectory. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And I don't anticipate the Bible understanding, you know, particular things about how to have a healthy relationship with technology. You know, the Bible is going to point me in a direction in regards to that. Right. But it's not going to understand, it's not going to have anything to say about humans and cell phones and all that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. There are, there's a wealth of information and things we're learning about the brain and all that kind of stuff that that is available to us that we're welcome to fold into our life. But I would think the Bible serves best as kind of that orientation piece. Like growth is in this direction for us, it's towards towards Jesus. We grow in this direction. Um, and then I think we're free to consume and enjoy and fold into whatever wisdom or knowledge that we come across that is in, in that direction, you know, uh, even if it's in a different faith tradition. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of spiritual practices that you can fold into your life that may not begin as Christian, but like they're in the same trajectory, you know. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah. And I think it's the, a lot of things that Christians have adopted all right, like there's 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 evidence of Christians adopting other faith traditions, like in line with mm-hmm. you know things that we've brought into Christianity that wasn't normally a mm-hmm. part of Christian, like just Christmas, Christmas, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's very pagan, it's and very, I love every very, bit of it. It's very pagan, you know? but like you know, the idea of giving and the idea of generosity in that season is very much a Christian, you mm-hmm. know, ethic that. That you know it it, it enhances uh, spirit. Well, because the first Christians really did believe that the the sense of divinity that was somehow present in Jesus, right, didn't just come onto the scene when Jesus was born, but this was somehow with God from the beginning. That's their claim. I mean, you read about it in John, you know, in him, the word was beginning the word and everything was made through him, for him, by him. Right. So like the first Christians really believe that, that everything that exists, you know, is in some sort of relationship to this truth. And they would go into new cultures and not necessarily say, this is why you're wrong. But their more approach was like, Oh, do you see how close you are? Mm. Like there was, it was a different kind of approach, you know? And I, you see that, especially with the Celtic people when they moved to the North. Now we've also, we also abused that and we like, I don't, 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 I don't think we did, did that right. You know, hundred percent, but like they went into that and they, they saw how they understood light and dark and cold. And they're like, man, this, this mirrors the Jesus story too. Let me tell you how, mm-hmm. you know? And so instead of just getting rid of them, they folded it in, mm-hmm. you know? And I think we're all the better for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that approach. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this, it's this conviction that the the truth of who Jesus is, 
that sense of God, divinity, life isn't just in a few places. Mm -hmm. It's everywhere, you know, and everything is in some sort of relationship to that. The trick is trying to figure out what that relationship is, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what gets in the way of us being lifelong seekers or learners? Hmm. I got stuff. You got, I got stuff. Yeah. You go first. Um, I think being busy in time, mm-hmm. it's pretty obvious, mm-hmm. uh, bad habits. Like we can justify 30 minutes of scrolling on a phone and don't have time for mm-hmm. healthier practices. We have way more time than we think we do. I, I agree with that. Don't you think? Yes. Um, I think learning is intimidating. Hmm. I think, uh, you know, you're still, you're still kind of stuck on your own, the risk of your own personal interpretation mm-hmm. of your attempts of learning. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Social constructs. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, we always talk about the benefit of spending time with people that think differently of mm-hmm. you and, and have uh, difficult conversations. It's still really scary to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then there's the whole concept of being the radical one, of sticking out and mm-hmm. and uncomfortable, unsafe, maybe mm-hmm. even. I think that's a really big one. Yeah. Really big one, particularly when you start talking about things like... Uh, Religion, mm-hmm. faith, mm-hmm. theology, worldviews. And that's what I've, I've bumped up against a lot. And I even felt it in myself. You know, um, some of the ways I've changed my mind about the Bible and God. Uh, I go back and I, I have a lot of sympathy. I, don't know, I say, say there's a lot of compassion. But I go back to the beginning when these questions would come up in, in your own mind about like, man, how do these two things reconcile in the scriptures? You know, uh, how do you like th- take like um, the violence of God, you know, in the Old Testament compared to the call of Jesus to nonviolence and his image of God are like loving enemies, right? You know, like how do you reconcile that with Joshua? I, mem- I remember all these questions and like at first there is this, and it was subconscious. It took me a second to recognize it. At first, it was kind of like this weird avoid, like avoid those, avoid anybody who's mm-hmm. asking those, avoid right. anybody, anybody who's pointing that out. And because because at that point in time, my commitment to that particular way of holding it all together afforded me a nice life. Right. Like, you know, uh, I needed the Bible to be a certain thing so that mm-hmm. when I taught people, there was an author- there was like, there was all this stuff that was kind of built on that, you know? And I remember I had to look, I did, it took a while for me to look back and just finally admit it, but it was like... What, what kept me from pursuing those questions, that knowledge, that insight was if I pull on this thread, you know, my nice, comfortable life could come, could come undone. Mm-hmm. And then what, you know? And I'm like, eventually I get to a place. Where I was like, the truth matters too much though. Like, I, I don't know. I could not live with myself after a while. Or if I, if I, if I look back and I'm like the, the, what drove your decisions and your choices and like what mm-hmm. you did with your life was just this desire for safety. Yeah. Like I just couldn't do it anymore, you yeah. know? And, um, and I bump up against that now, you know, with people, like when you start ha- trying to have some of these conversations about the ways what your faith has shifted and, you know, you even just suggest them reading some things and there's this quick, nope, avoidance. I'm not going there. I'm not looking at it. I'm not, I'm not mm-hmm. looking in that. I'm not lifting that rug up. I'm not looking yeah. in that closet. Yeah. And it's all, I think what is subconsciously behind that. 
is uh, this fear of if I find something in there, it might require me to change my situation where I'm comfortable. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and I do think it's subconscious because I think we, I noticed a lot of work to clean it up. Like I would clean up my, my fear for not, not wanting to listen to that or go there or think about that. And you'd say, well, I'm just defending the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm defending the truth. I don't, I don't need to get that stuff in my head. I need to, you know, and really though, what's behind that is, is a sort of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our pursuit of the truth should be so, uh, strong, uh, authentic, genuine, that if we discover that it's the truth is not what I've been doing, I'm willing to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember Adam Hamilton, great mm-hmm. Methodist pastor. You came to a, a church I was a part of and in, in the midst of Q and a conversations, he talked about how they did this series on different religions and in, in the church and just a genuine, authentic look at what these other religions are. Not, you didn't start off disproving them, mm-hmm. right? Just started off with a genuine presentation of this is what a, a Buddhist would believe and what they understand. And then, of course, they would talk about some of the differences at the end. But I remember somebody asking, like, weren't you so afraid that, like, if you did that, people, people would, I think I'll be Buddhist now. People would, like, leave the church and be Christian. And, and he goes, I love his answer. He's like, uh, something along the lines of, I'm going, to, I think the only way to really honor God. Uh, is to be so committed to pursuing truth that if I discover that there's something more true outside of this faith tradition, I'm going to go with that Mm -hmm. because it's true, you know? Uh, And he's like, I just haven't found anything more true than Christianity. To me, that is a much more authentic pursuit of the faith than I picked this first and I'm just going to stay there because it affords me a whole lot of comfort and safety. Mm -hmm. You know, there'll be a moment, if if, if that's your motivation, there will be a moment in time when you look back and you go, uh, yeah, it ties well into open-handed convictions, Mm -hmm. you know, something you've based this church vision on. Uh, I I will say at least three or four books I've read in the last year are based on the premise of the author setting out to either make a point Mm -hmm. and he can't. And so his whole book is then about what I really discovered yep. or people who have had to deconstruct something to a certain degree, mm-hmm. but in the beginning they had to acknowledge this is, yeah. I was this person yep. and this is what I thought and come to terms with that. That's been my experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I did go through a period of time where there was, there's a lot of shaky ground for me when it comes to the faith. It did feel really unsettling, but I've come out to a place like now where I feel so much more, and I don't have the word sure. That's a funny word to use. Like it sounds like you're done. I don't, but man, I feel like I feel more clear. Mm-hmm. I feel more committed. I feel more convinced, you know, that this is, this is worth giving everything to. Mm-hmm. And the difference is, is that last part. Like a lot of people can have a, in that first phase where they're just protecting it and guarding it, they don't really practice it all that mm-hmm. much because they get made to think that your faithfulness to it is just defending it. Mm-hmm. No, your faithfulness to it is doing it. And it can be easy. You can, you can separate the two. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, I'm a Christian because I... I will say I believe in Jesus. I'm a Christian because I will say I defend the Bible. I'm a Christian because. Well, and that's what people view as their firm foundation Mm -hmm. too. Yep. And I think the the switch is to understand that your foundation is your following of Jesus Mm -hmm. and not your theological toe-to-toe ability with people. Yep. Richard Rosser, we keep putting Jesus on a pedestal so we don't have to follow him. 
a lot of people, I believe that Jesus mm-hmm. is the son of God. I be- okay, then why don't you love your enemies? Why don't you serve your neighbor? Mm-hmm. Why don't you, you know, it's like, we just think the, the whole point is just defending this list of things we believe, these statements, instead of actually practicing them, you know? And for me, when I've, when I've followed the questions, when I've wrestled with uncertainty, in my experience, I have not come out on the other side less Worse. confident. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually more confident and it's more a part of my life, mm-hmm. you know? That's what McLaren would talk about the phases, right? Mm-hmm. One through four. One is like an entry level, black and white understanding mm-hmm. of religion, church, Jesus. And then mm-hmm. yeah, two to three and then four is a highly evolved yeah. critical thinker. I, was, I, I need to, that's a great, I'd like to read that book. Yeah. For um, me, it's almost like the fear of breaking loyalty to whatever culture has been manifest out of like the, the people, their belief mm-hmm. in. So they, t- they take their beliefs. I believe in Jesus, but then through that they've manifested their, own, I guess, denomination, but they've, it's their, it's whatever culture has been coming. And then you, you stay true and loyal to that culture. And me, I'm a very loyal person. And so when I feel my faith is moving to the way of Jesus, Mm -hmm. but then this culture has, you know, stuck to not veered, but it's just like, it's looked the same. And, but then it's just going in their own trajectory, the Mm -hmm. trajectory they've always been on. Mm -hmm. And, but like, I'm going my own and it's like, what, it's not even like this, like I have to transition from defending to it's like I have to break I have to become dis the, the this fear of being disloyal to mm-hmm. yeah. their tradition that I've been a part of it's it's it it was very hard for mm-hmm. me because I feel like I was yeah it, it yeah was, I was disappointing people well, you hear I, about. I was upsetting people and it's like you're losing friends you're losing people you're losing you know people that respected you um and it's it's the the loyalty behind mm-hmm. it is what oh yeah yep yeah it's painful like how could you mm-hmm. you know I mean there are people who I and these are long standing relationships you know that are just not there anymore and it's like because I didn't stay mm-hmm. the course and didn't stay true you know to that and we're talking particularly about like you know brass tacks about what you'd say the Bible is and isn't. Mm-hmm. You know, like I wouldn't, I don't think the Bible is inerrant if, if what you mean is it doesn't have errors in it and that it's perfect, perfect. And every bit of it's a hundred percent, you know, uh, authoritative from front to back. No, you know, that's ostracized me from some people because they've been made like for a lot of folks. That was a, that was like a, a an entry point that was a, or a gate, you know, like if you don't, if you, if you can't affirm this, you're not a part of our group, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and it's, it can be scary, you know, to start pulling that thread because you know. If I don't affirm all this stuff, I may not be in the tribe anymore, mm-hmm. you know? But I don't know if that's a really great tribe to be a part of mm-hmm. to begin with. Mm. That's what happens when knowledge, like, yeah. and you, like, that's what we're talking about, like, what ha- the dangers of knowledge, mm-hmm. dangers of gaining knowledge through, right? Is that what we're talking about? Kind of. Kind of. Did we go off? Yeah. Oh, I okay. think we did. And it's okay. Um, you made a point about, um, like the influencers or the voice or the voices that you need to tune out. And you said something specifically about ignore the things that appeal to your anger and your discontent. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes sense. Like 
like when you're thinking extreme partisan news outlets, like, Mm -hmm. but do you like, don't you feel like you should be reading things that Mm -hmm. fire you up a little or speak into the things that upset you about the world? Like what's the fine line between, am I filling my head with things that are fueling something that's unhealthy versus I am trying to be informed? Yeah. I think it's, I think in our day and age where a couple thoughts, a couple thoughts. One is if all we're doing is feeding an outrage without finding an outlet to do something, we're just going to be angry people. Like okay. I don't, we're not, we're not made to know all the things that we know. Like that, that's been an interesting observation. It's like a sociological observation is like, man, before all this mass technology, mass communications, people only knew about the things that were happening in their little town. You know, they would read their local newspaper or whatever. You, you'd hear about things that were happening in the world, but you hear about it way after the fact. You know, you'd hear about it like, cause it would take a while for the news to get to you. You know, of course you feel bad, but like it's not happening immediately. Now we see things that are happening right now, mm-hmm. you know, in the past, if you, if something bad was happening, let's say somebody's house is on fire, it was probably in your neighborhood and you could go help. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Now we're bombarded with all of this stuff that's happening all over the place, but we don't necessarily have the means to help. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would say to a lot of folks who feel like I need to be informed, you're right, you do, but you also need to be finding outlets that where you're at, where you're doing something. You're part- otherwise, it's just going to be in your head. And it's going to be despair and anger and frustration. Go f- go march somewhere. Go find a uh, an organization that's actively do something. You know, proactive. It's writing letters, write letters. If it's, I, th- I just think for too many people, they think that the 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 goal is to just know and be mad about it mm-hmm. and be outraged. You know, and that's just a it's in your head bouncing around all over the place and it's going to drive, you're going to be leading from a place of anger and, mm-hmm. and not necessarily hope or just, or, uh, optimism. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Um, and then I think, especially for us as Christians, um, man, to keep in mind, and it sounds so cliche and try to even say it, but our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against powers and systems and authorities. Mm. Um, how do we stay human in all of this? And I'm moved by the real life examples of people who've brought radical systemic change, but they never stopped seeing humanity in right. people. And a real interesting story is, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. and um, and Bobby Kennedy, you know, and how that relationship mm-hmm. formed. You know, I think I shared about this a few a few months ago in, in service that like, you know, when he got elected as what attorney general, um, he wasn't a supporter of the civil rights movement. Uh, but MLK was talking to the, the group. They're all mad and you know, upset about it. And like, he's not you know friendly to the cause. And he's like, well, um, we're going to find an open door. We're going to find a commonality here, you know? And, and they did. So like, to me, the strategy matters as Christians. I, I want change. I want things to change, but how we pursue change matters. And if how we pursue change is about dehumanizing people, demonizing them, even, even the enemies, even the clear enemies, like we're just going to create another mess. Oh yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think that's what we have to be really aware of. And there's too many voices out there that what they really want is your allegiance. That's really what they want. They want you to listen to them 
buy their product, tune into their, they want your viewership, they want, and they will use, they will appeal to your anger and your outrage to do it. And so they're reckless even in how they do it, you know, mainly your mainline media sources, you know, they want you watching there and nothing is more motivating than fear and anger. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think tune in, but also be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Like tune in, but also know they just, they don't really care ab- about me and like, uh, the issue they're, they're leveraging this. They might care a little bit, but they're going to leverage it for their own benefit. They, um, they want your viewership sure. and your allegiance. And I think tune in, but tune in knowing, um, that that's a part of it too. Yeah. We, we got to do stuff. Like we got to find ways to do things. Because uh, if all you do is listen to the outrage, you're going to feel like there's no hope. Right. And there is hope. I mean, we sat in the more justice meeting just the other night mm-hmm. and we heard about all these things that were starting to happen because, of, and I didn't know about any of it. And it felt so good to hear that. Like there's some real progress being made in our own community, you know? And so that did something to me. Like that made me go, okay, this is like, this is good work. Mm-hmm. You know, does that make sense? Oh Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. It's a really good question. Last little point you, you were talking about was the knowledge of God's will. Mm-hmm. Uh, understand and discern what God's plan instead of what is God's desire? What does he wish for you? And I think we talked a little about this last week. Um, what are some of the helpful resources and practices that help you tune into God's mm-hmm. will? I mean, I mean, I got to say it, gospels. Mm-hmm. Jesus is Jesus is God's will in flesh and blood. Like that's you know, if you want to under, understand who who is God's intention and will and desire in flesh and blood, you want to know what it looks like to live out God's will. We look at Jesus, and I think what I what I just feel kind of bothered by is um, I'm talking to Christians here. I'm not talking to the world. I'm talking to Christians. We are so, for the most part, there's so much illiteracy when it comes to understanding the way of Jesus. Like, particularly in places where it's still socially acceptable to be a Mm -hmm. Christian, you know, you just go to church. That's what makes you a Christian. But is your worldview or what the scriptures or the authors in scripture call your, your, uh, your mindset, your phronesis, um, is it Jesus in the kingdom of God? And if you aren't intentional about curating that and pointing and, and, and allowing it to be shaped by you know, the, the person, the teaching and the life of Jesus, uh, if you're not being intentional about that, you're being shaped by everything else. Mm-hmm. We are mm-hmm. like it, it isn't a matter of if we're being formed or discipled. Yes, we are. But by who, you know, is it by uh, capitalism? Mm-hmm. Is it by materialism? Is it by, you know, uh, is your does your worldview really reflect, you know, the kingdom of God? Mm-hmm. Particularly Sermon on the Mount. I mean, that's meant to be our worldview. And I don't know how you appeal to something you're not familiar with. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Like we don't we don't know it that well because we don't read it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We don't try to understand it for the most part. But we tune into our favorite news channel. We listen to our favorite celebrity podcast hosts. We listen to. And if you don't think that that's influencing, yes, it is. It's influencing your worldview. And I'm not saying all that's bad, but I need to have a filter. Mm-hmm. Like I need to have something to which all that has to right. pass. It's got to pass through something so I can go, 
Okay, that's good. That that's in line with the trajectory, right? Folding that end. Eh, that's that's not. That's gonna that's gonna fall on the floor, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just I think there are too many people who, who are professing Christians who are more formed by Capitol Hill, uh, Hollywood, um, New York New York Stock Exchange. You know, their their worldview is really more formed by that mm-hmm. than it is. Uh, by the person teaching in life of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I feel strongly. Like, so, so you're talking about resources? Start, start with the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, that was the most important part of the Bible for the early church. It was. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, uh, the early church fathers constantly reference it. You know, that's how they were, they were formed. Um, I think read that for yourself. And then, Find a great devotional. You know, I don't think the whole Bible's meant for devotional reading. People think they just got to, if you want to pick up and read the Bible from the front to cover, go for it. But you're going to need help with some mm-hmm. parts because they're weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Revelation, uh, you probably shouldn't start there. Uh, you're going to need a lot of help. So I, the early church would um, read Sermon on the Mount. They pray through the Psalms on a regular basis. You know, there are certain parts of the Bible that are better for that than others. I think mm-hmm. Proverbs is great. Psalms is great. The Gospels are absolutely great. Even Paul's letters need some help mm-hmm. because he's talking to particular people about particular issues. And if you don't know some of that, it might be a little hard to get, you know. And do you know what you need to do in order to achieve all that? Hmm. Make time for it. Make time. Find a rhythm. Yep. Yeah. Because people people have told me when we have this conversation, they're like, I just, I try and I just can't get, I can't get into it. I'm just not, you know, uninterested. And I'm like... It's almost like we think we can't control what we're interested in. Mm-hmm. I just I was just born a big Gamecock fan, mm-hmm. you know. I was just born into football. It's like, how did you how did you get so into this? You read articles, you listened to podcasts and radio shows. Like you turned your conscious attention towards it, and now you really like it. Right. It works like that with all sorts of stuff. You turn your conscious attention towards it, and the more familiar you get with it, and the more comfortable you get with it, the more you start to like it, and mm-hmm. you love it. And it, I don't know. I have found that, um, you know, I will listen to podcasts and the hosts and, or the speakers that they have on or the people advertising the book that they're listening, they're reading or writing or mm-hmm. whatever. Like I will tune into some of those. And if they kind of speak to me, I'll buy the book, then I'll follow them on social mm-hmm. media. Mm-hmm. And I kind of layer in hmm. who's influencing, hmm. uh, hmm. my algorithms. Mm-hmm. And then also I would say find your people. Mm. Like I have a, yeah. I have a book club right now. Yeah. And I mean, we do read a book, but we also share yep. so much information yep. with each other. Yep. Sharing the things we're reading, the things we're learning. Um, that's invaluable. That might be step one right there. If you're wanting to grow in knowledge, you know, uh, I would say identify a group of people who are demonstrating a sort of life that you'd like to have. You know, like mm-hmm. they're demonstrating qualities and values. And like, when you look at them, you're like, man, that's, that's beautiful. I'd like some more of that. Get to, and then be, get around them, be around them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might have to instigate that, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, cause I do think that's, we catch this stuff. What do they say? It's, it's caught more than it's taught. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you want to yeah. read more books, be around people who read more books. <laughs> um, that, that's huge right there. What do you, what's something you're reading right now that you feel like is, or listening to that's like really helpful for you with like growing more and more into the trajectory of Jesus? Is there something that you're reading, listening to? 
I um, I have the Methodist Book of Daily Prayer. Mm-hmm. That is a there's a weekly. It's the same prayer of the morning, the same prayer in the evening for the whole week. But then each day is just a little. It's like I I mean devotional is probably what they would call it, but it's short. Mm-hmm. But it's helped with rhythm. Mm-hmm. It's helped like I'm really consistent now in the mornings. Yeah. I am not so consistent in the evenings, but mm-hmm. progress. Um, I'm doing the Bi- the Bible recap. I was mm. telling you that. Um, that's reading through the Bible. Yeah. And then they give you, there's a daily, what's the word I'm looking for? Video, mm-hmm. podcast, kind of a debrief of it all. Mm-hmm. I'm only in Genesis, so I can't really. So they know. actually teach you some stuff too? Yep. That's cool. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, kind of an interesting ha- thing happened this week. I'm reading a book and I'm way... It's way over my head. Mm-hmm. It's way too smart for me. <laughs> so I reached out to Dylan and I'm like, Dylan, will you read this book? And can we talk about it? <laughs> I'm looking up words. Mm-hmm. Most of them start with the letter E. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know, like it, theologically, yeah. it's like a, it reads like a, a Bible school textbook. And, uh, I have found that whenever I'm feeling like that yeah. about some, some subject, it's usually because of vocabulary Yeah, more than anything. It's yeah. not because I can't. I tell myself, this isn't because you're, you're not capable of understanding this. You don't know the vocabulary yet. Mm-hmm. Once you lo- know the vocabulary, it'll start to click. So mm-hmm. looking up words is like, that's one of the first things I do. I'm like, what does that even yeah. mean? Yeah, but each month I try to have a book that is teaching me something about the Bible, one that's teaching me more about spiritual practice, and then a fun book. Mm-hmm. Not that those others wouldn't be fun, but yeah. just something different. Hmm. You got anything, Thomas? Uh, the Common Prayer Book by Shane Claiborne yeah. is really good. Mm. Um, and then just Lectio. Yeah. You, you, so you had to say that. Somebody had to say I that. I like Lectio. Lectio 365. So good. I'll never, I shouldn't say never, but I'm like, I don't feel the need to write our own devotional. I'm like, that one's just so good. Mm-hmm. 10 minutes, listen to it in the sauna, usually at work, at the gym when I'm working out. Uh, I'd love a sh- sauna at work. That'd be I great. Know, I'd be great. I should right? do that. So a book right now that I, I'm like really just digging is that uh, Brian Zahn, Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God. Mm. I mean, it is so formative. Um, I'd like to figure out a way to go through it with everybody at the church. But that book, I would, if you're looking for something, particularly if you're somebody who's like, I'm still into Jesus, but I got all this stuff, like... You know, pictures of God is angry and all that. Like, just read the book. Mm-hmm. It is it is really good. So, yeah. Yeah. You want pray for us? Let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of knowledge that we can understand more uh, clearly, with more depth, ourselves, you, each other, how to live. It's pretty cool that we live in a world, we have a life where there's always something new to learn, uh, new to discover. And that's just a really great thing. Um, I pray for those of us who are listening, who feel maybe a little lost, um, sort of wandering around. We don't really know where to go. Lord, I pray you just give us some direction. I pray for those of us who may be a little bored and um, slothful even, that Lord, you give us a little ambition. Um I pray for those who, uh, those of us who think we already know it all, that you give us a little humility. Um, and I pray that uh, for everybody listening, Lord, that you will continue to 
uh, get us on that trajectory, that Jesus trajectory, that you'd point us in that direction, that Jesus would be our filter through which we, um, we question everything that comes in through that filter because we believe that that is the most beautiful way to live. Help us be those people. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you.